Well, short joke. Uh, the joke goes like this. What did one DNA strand say to the other? Answer, do I look fat in these jeans? All right. Big intellectual jokes. All right. Well, we continue on with the study in First John, and I've entitled the message this morning, Are You God's Child? Are You God's Child? Lord, I just thank you for all that's transpired this morning. And uh, now as we turn to your word, I ask that you would just Fill this place. Give us hearts to receive, ears to hear. Fill me up, Lord, that I truly would just speak your words. Just have your way as we look at an important word out of your word. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Probably be a pretty tough act, don't you think, to follow, to be, have Jesus as your brother. But you know, it's kind of interesting because John's going to speak to us this morning very quickly and He's going to say, you know, if you're truly a believer, a child of God, then we should look like Jesus. In fact, he tells us this in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that when he does appear, we will be like him, for we will see him as he truly or really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. You know, John starts off this morning with a very encouraging word for those of us that are followers of Jesus. He says, God really does love you. You know, He loves us so much that he adopted us. You realize that? Adoption's huge back 2,000 years ago. It means he chose you. He wanted you to be his child. He's calling you. He called me to be his child, to be stamped with his name. And, you know, think about the opposite of this. You see, it's so hard for us to accept that, you know, when we come into this world, God, therefore, wasn't our parent. You know who our parent was? The Bible says our parent was Satan. Seriously. You know, when you go walking into someone's home, you know, quite often you'll see, you know, in a nice frame, you'll see a picture of the person's biological parents, right? Well, that's really not what you should see. Tim, put up the picture. This is what you really should see. Yeah, that would be it. Because he truly is everyone's first parent, whether we like it or not. In fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus is having a spirited discussion with the religious leaders. And at one point, Jesus, this is what happens in the discussion. Tim, you can put up the verses. It says, they, that's the religious leaders, replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. And Jesus says, really? If God were your, now listen to this, if God were your father, You would love me because I have come to you from God. Now, that's an interesting, loaded statement. Because what Jesus is saying is, don't say that you believe in God, that you worship the true God, if you reject me. You know, one of the big discussions going on today is, do the Muslims worship the same God as Christians? The answer is, no. No, Allah is not the same. You reject Jesus, you reject God. Jesus is God. So you cannot say that you are worshiping God and reject Jesus. What you're 
really worshiping and it's really sad is just some phantom God. A lot of people are doing that. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Papa sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying, Jesus said? It's because you can't even hear me. The people of this world, they have spiritual earplugs. For you are the children of your father, the... I didn't hear that. You are of your... Can you imagine? He's saying this to the religious leaders. And you love to do the evil things that he does. Let me tell you something. If Satan is our father, and he is every single one of us when we came into this world, do you know that we carry his DNA? That means at least three character traits of what we all have we come into. Here, let me just give you the three major character traits of Satan, his DNA. Trait number one, rebellion. Satan is the father of rebellion. Satan rejected God's authority. Satan rejected God's lordship. Rebellion is at the very heart of Satan. In fact, we see some rather interesting verses about Satan in the Hebrew prophet Isaiah. And he wrote this 2,700 years ago. Listen to what he said. Here you see, you get a glimpse of what happened to Satan. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star. Son of the morning. That literally means Lucifer. That's where we get Lucifer from. Lucifer means son of the morning, light bearer. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. You'll ultimately see that in Revelation chapter 12. For you said, now watch this to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods. That's the supernatural ones far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Now watch what God says, so really, Satan? Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. And see, since Satan is our father, we have that DNA within us. Do you know that we have that rebellion within us? We've talked about Psalm chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3, and I just want to quickly look at it again. Why are the nations so angry? What do they waste? In other words, why are we angry? It's just, why do we waste our time on futile plans? Now, here are the plans. The kings of the earth prepare, and you could say the people of this earth prepare for battle. What's the battle? The rulers plot against the Lord and against his anointed one. That's Jesus. What is it? So what are we rebelling against? Let us break their chains, they cry, and free us ourselves from the slavery to God. That's in every single one of us. Every single one of us just wants to be our own little God. I'm, please, you've got to deal with this. This is the fundamental problem of humanity, why relationships don't work. We want to be our own little God, and we don't want anybody telling us what to do. You know, it reminds me of the story of a little boy, and he was not behaving right. And so his mother placed him in a corner, had him sit and just face, you know, the corner. And after about five minutes, the little boy cried out, and he said, Mom! I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. The Jewish rabbis had a name for this, Yetzer Hurrah. Yetzer Hurrah. You know what that means? The evil, rebellious inclination within every single one of us. Yetzer Hurrah. Trait number two of Satan, me. Now, it's me in this sense. Life is about me, satisfying me, me, my wants, my desires. Trait number three of Satan is me again, but it's me differently. This time it's look at me. Tell me how wonderful me is. Even worship me. 
You know, several weeks ago, Susan and I were in Pittsburgh, and we were visiting our daughter and son-in-law and middle daughter, Christy, and we have two grandchildren, and the youngest grandchild child is Williams. Tim, can you put up his picture? There he is. Not quite one years old. Not quite one years old. Now, I mean, doesn't he look like an angel? Almost chip off the old block. What are you laughing at? Same haircut. So one night we're eating dinner, and William's still in a high chair, and he's having his happy meal. Everything's going wrong. Great. And suddenly William starts taking his food, and he throws it on the floor, and he begins giggling. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe i got a genius on my hands here. I think he's observing the law of gravity. Future scientist, maybe a rocket scientist. Well, as it turns out, we had brought little Billy with us, and he was feeding little Billy and giggling. Now, my daughter, Christy, she didn't think it was that funny. And so she quickly says to little William, William, no, you do not throw your food on the floor. And then she slaps him. And she turns around. And as she turns around, little William begins to giggle. And she turns around. And when she turns around, William grabs some, This is the truth. So this is here. She, he grabs some food and he holds his hand out like this. And then he smiles. And Christy goes, don't you do it. Don't even think about it. Now, here's what he does. And I, I admit it, I started laughing. I said, I said, Christy, you deserve everything you get. You were the worst child. You were strong-willed. God, there is justice in the universe. Now think about it. Think about it. In one action, William demonstrates rebellion. Oh no, rebellion. Do not tell me what I'm going to do. He demonstrates me. Me will do what I want to do. And me again, look at me. You know, William loves attention. He doesn't care whether it's positive or not. Just give me the attention. And see, that's in every single one of us. That is the problem that we in humanity have. Now, we got to move along here. But James said, or John says something interesting. He says, see, if you're a believer, you have that DNA still in you. But he says, now you are dearly loved by God, and you are now a child of God. So you know what that means? You have his DNA. You know what the DNA of Papa is? We see it in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. Listen to this. But the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in the believer. Please notice English does matter. That's singular. He didn't say fruits. He said fruit. You know, most theologians believe that really there's only one fruit. God is love. And what you have is various aspects of love. So we see here eight aspects of love. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, you can see more. But he says, first of all, what is love? Well, he says, you know, since I have now the DNA of love, I should have joy. Yes, what is joy? Joy is a combination of contentment and hope, believing the best is yet to come. Then he says, peace. You know what peace is? It's having shalom on the inside. People of this world, fear rules them. Isn't it a shame? They wake up, fear, anxiety rules them. But see, no, 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 the child of God now has real strength, inner strength and confidence. Patience, that means now I have the ability to be long-suffering with people. 
my spouse, my kids, you. Kindness, taking the time to listen to people. Goodness, that's actually doing good things, beneficial things for people. Faithfulness, that's the ability to be loyal to people. Gentleness, that means that you don't be rough with people, but rather respectful with people. And finally, self-control. You know what self-control is? Self-control is the ability to say no. It is the ability to say no to my satanic DNA. It's the ability to say no to whatever is destructive. Food no longer has to control me. Did you know that? Food no longer has to control you. Alcohol, drugs, they don't have to control Frank Ray. Television, social media, they don't have to control me. Video games, so many people are addicted to video games. Isn't that a tragedy? They're living through a game. But you can say no, see, if you're truly a child of God. No job, no person is to have control or power over you. You see, Frank Ray, I am a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-empowered child of God, and I am free. And if you are truly born again, you are free. You are a child. No, see, you got to understand, you are a child of God. You are free. You know, the Apostle John, says he says something really interesting, and I'm sorry to move so fast, but it says this in the last part of verse 1 of 1 John. Now watch this. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. They don't know Jesus. You know, it's really interesting what's being said here. Now listen to this because we're going to move quickly. The people of this world out there, they don't realize that you're a child of God. They can't recognize who the true children of God are. You know, and there was a, actually... A very interesting article, occurrence, event that occurred probably about three or four weeks ago. It was actually one of the headlines in the Christian Post. And the headline read this. Lady Gaga calls herself Christian, slams Vice President Mike Pence as worse Christian. Isn't that kind of interesting? And the article went on to say this. Now I'm going to quote Lady Gaga. I am a Christian woman, and what I do know about Christianity, and it's obvious she doesn't know much, but she says this, and what I do know about Christianity is that we bear no prejudice, and everybody is welcome. So you can take all that disgrace, Mr. Pence, and look at yourself in the mirror, and you'll find it right there. She also needs an English course. But here's what she's saying. I mean, it's kind of intriguing. She's saying that Vice President Mike Pence is a great disgrace and he's a great offense to Christianity. What was Vice President Pence's offense? Do you know what it was? Here's the offense. He allowed his wife, Karen, to teach part-time at Emanuel Christian School in Springfield, Virginia, where, I quote, the school requires employees to agree that marriage is between a man and a woman, and parents must sign documentation acknowledging that students who engage in homosexual behavior may be denied entry into the school. That was his great offense. Now, I don't know about you, but let me tell you about me, all right? I find it amazing, I find it deeply disturbing, and I find it very sad all at the same time that biblical Orthodox Christianity is not only offensive in this culture, but it is rapidly becoming an outlaw religion. Did you know that? Christianity, if you believe this book, cover to cover, inspired, it's rapidly becoming an outlaw 
religion. You gotta understand that. And that's why more and more as we move towards the days that we are in, that we need to understand this book and support one another. Well, we gotta move to the challenge. Verse two, there's two parts to this challenge of First John chapter three. Can you put it up, Tim? Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Do you know that there's an old spiritual axiom? The old spiritual axiom is this. You become like what you worship. You become like what you worship. Tim put up the picture. Now, those are two idiots. I mean, those are two Kansas City Chief fans. Now, no, we laugh at them, but here are two. Don't ask me why you would ever be a Chief fan, okay? But there are people that are. Will they remain nameless, all right? But do you think these guys worship the Chiefs? See, they do. And they want to become like them. You worship, we laugh at this, but you, 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 what you worship, you will become like. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really worship Jesus? Do you? See, do I? See, this is what I had to ask myself. Because, see, if I really worship Jesus, what's going to be true of my life? I'm going to become more and more like him. And do you hear what John said? It's really fascinating. John said, one day, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. I'm going to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And guess what? Frank Ray will be just like him completely. Isn't that something? That's true of you. That's my great hope. That's really my great hope. I know that Jesus is coming back either when I die for me or in the rapture. And when I see him, when I see him, I will become completely and totally like him. And then we're told this in verse 3. Here's the second challenge, the second challenge. Tim, can you put up verse 3? And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Isn't that interesting? Do you understand what John is saying? John is saying that if I truly worship Jesus, if you truly worship Jesus and you have a great expectation, I mean, your great hope is Jesus is coming back and setting up his millennial kingdom. He said, that's got to change you. No, no, it's got to change us. Do you understand that? You can't say, wow, Jesus is my hero. I really worship him. I'm so excited. I'm looking every day for him to come back, and it doesn't affect you. That's not possible. It's got to change you. It's got to change me. You know, once in a while, people kind of make fun of me, and they go, oh, you're one of those goody-two-shoe Christians. You ever had someone say that to you? The clear implication, of course, is, is that Christianity's not fun. It's boring. And I say, you know, to someone, would they do that to me? I say, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'll say to them, you know, I kind of used to be like you. You know, I used to drink myself into stupefaction and vomit all over myself and live in a moral life. I said, what do you get out of that? And they look at you like, what? Yeah, I said, what what do you get for all that? You know, drinking yourself into stupefaction, vomiting all over yourself, and just being immoral. Well, well, uh, it it, it could be fun. I, I guess it could be fun. I said, but you know what the tragedy is? I said, I lived that way up into my college years. I said, you know what? 
I really got old and it wasn't that fun. But I said, you know what was worse? I was destroying my soul. My soul was shriveling up. And every time I did it, it became emptier and emptier. But worse than that, I loathed myself. But you know what happened? You know what he's talking about here? But when we begin to live a pure life, a righteous life, good things happen. You know why? Because I tell them, God of the universe designed you to be pure. Did you know that? He designed us to be moral. That's true. That's how we were designed. That's why great things happen when you begin to be truly pure and good. And you know what happens when you start to really be pure, morally speaking? You begin to love yourself. No, you begin to love yourself. You begin to respect yourself. And guess what? If you love yourself, think about this now, and respect yourself, what's going to happen when it comes to your relationships? You'll love them and respect them. Do you know why most people don't love other people and can't? and respect them, it's because they don't love themselves. They don't respect themselves. If if you've got a partner who is doing things that are wrong and immoral, I guarantee you they don't love themselves, nor do they respect themselves. And they couldn't possibly love and respect you. Just think about that. But here's the great promise. There's even a greater promise. When you and I are living a pure life, because we're now moving in the DNA of Papa the Father, there's a great promise. You know what the great promise is? I love this. And Jesus gave it. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Ah, it's, it's guided my life. It says this, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see Lord, I ask that you just allow these words to penetrate now because they are truly life-changing words if we allow the Spirit to bring them deep within our souls and not to draw up walls. So I say, Satan, hands off right now by the blood and authority of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, be now loosed and begin to truly bring light and truth and freedom to each and every one of us. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. 
Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.